Thank you for tuning in to the WAM Podcast, where women empower women in business and manufacturing. Hello and welcome to the Women in Manufacturing Podcast. My name is Fran Brunel and I'm the president of Accelerated Manufacturing Brokers, Inc. and your host for today's show. Today, we're absolutely delighted to have with us Kelly Costello, the founder of Puppy Cake. Established in 2007, Puppy Cake's mission is to provide healthy and safe treats for dogs and a really fun experience for their owners. Products range from personalized dog cakes and mixes to ice cream mixes, cookie mixes, and dog toys too. Kelly appeared on season three of Shark Tank. She has a passion for both dogs and manufacturing. She personally oversees manufacturing of all the puppy cake products. Kelly, welcome. Thank you so much, Fran. That was a lovely introduction, and I'm really excited to share my passion with manufacturing. Great. What I'd like you to do, if you don't mind, is introduce our listeners to Puppy Cakes. Give us a little bit of the history and a little bit about some of your product offerings, too. So I started the company in 2007. I used to work for a sales and marketing firm, and one of my clients made cake mix for people. And I thought, oh, wouldn't that be great if they made that for dogs? People love their dogs. And that was my light bulb moment when I realized I could do that. So I started with two flavors of cake mix to mimic the traditional chocolate cake and the traditional yellow cake. So we started with carob, which is a naturally safe alternative to chocolate for dogs, and banana. All of our cake mixes came with icing packets. You just add water. You could bake or microwave these cakes, and that's how I got started. Things really took off my business in 2015 when I launched our ice cream mix, and that's a shelf-stable powder where you add water, mix it, and then put it in the freezer. So today we sell to stores across the U.S., also in Canada, a little bit internationally as well. Sell a lot on Amazon and a little bit on our website. That's excellent. I was looking at your website. You actually have added dog toys, apparel, and so forth. How does that come into the mix from a sales perspective? So one of the reasons that our business has been successful is because our product is so searchable. That's a tip that I give other entrepreneurs as they're growing their business is that if you can have your product be the answer to a search, there's a strong possibility you're going to be very successful. So part of the reason that we have extra toys and accessories is just to increase the shopping basket size for mm-hmm. someone who comes to our website looking to celebrate their dog's birthday. But really, that's such a small part of our overall sales. It's our cake mixes, like the peanut butter cake mix. For a while, it was the number one best-selling cake mix on Amazon until someone at Amazon realized it was miscategorized. Um, so now it's just the number one selling dog cake mix on Amazon. <laughs> so we end up selling a lot of products by answering search terms like dog birthday, dog birthday cake, or birthday cake for dogs. And it's been a huge part of our success. Yeah, I would agree. It's, you know, it always cracks me up as a business owner. I deal with manufacturing companies all over the country. And companies fare much better when their name is connected to what they do. And I think people get, you know, it's kind of a pride thing with entrepreneurs. They want their name connected to the company, but that doesn't necessarily help you in search. I completely agree. And then one of my pet peeves is when someone uses a number in their name of their business as well. I think that's always kind of confusing. 
Right. Yeah, I absolutely agree. So talk to us a little bit. So we have a very broad audience of men and women that listen to the podcast. And I always try to ask the interviewees something that might be helpful to the listening audience. You and I have spoken before, and I know that the start of your company was challenging. And it was a few years before things took off. And you started in very humble beginnings. And now you own your own manufacturing facility where all of this is made. Can you speak to that journey a little bit? So I started manufacturing puppy cake in my one-bedroom apartment in Bellevue, Pennsylvania, which is near Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. Powders were easy to start with because they're shelf-stable without you having to add any products or doing really any processes other than mixing. So I started with my little KitchenAid mixer, not even a commercial version of it, just a, a home version of it. And I used an impulse heat sealer to seal the bags. And I my first run of boxes was a thousand boxes of each flavor. And I think I paid a dollar ten per box for that because I ordered so little. The things that ended up making puppy cake successful had a lot to do with economies of scale and figuring out what actually worked. I touched base on how search terms have been huge for us. When I read a book on I think it was called Amazon FBA Secrets Decoded. And really that book was all about search engine optimization, making your listing very searchable and encouraging customers to leave reviews so that it increases um, when someone searches dog cake mix or dog birthday cake, because we have so many reviews on some of our SKUs, they rise to the top of your results. So over time, it took me a while to figure out what puzzle works the most because when you're a small business, you have very little money, so you have to be almost like a surgeon with how you spend your marketing dollars. So through the first years of just slogging it and trying digital marketing, trying email marketing, trying to do little shows like in Pittsburgh, we have a Pittsburgh Pet Expo and these kind of consumer shows, is ultimately through those attempts, I then learned the formula that works really well for us is search engine optimization, especially on Amazon. And then also we go to trade shows to present our products in front of independent pet stores, which have been our bread and butter since the beginning of the company. So I started from my little KitchenAid mixer, then moved into my basement. And then from my basement, a friend of the family let me use a small part of his a building that he owned where he stored some classic cars. And then from there, I took over that entire space and we outgrew that. And my production manager had to walk me around my facility and say, I cannot do all the plans you have for products that you're launching. We have no space here. So then we found a building within about a month of that conversation and built it out for ourselves. And now we have some pretty nice equipment and we're able to make a lot of product in one day. We're still only doing one shift, but we have opportunities to really blow it out of the water with how much we've grown. That's really great. Can you give us an indication? So I think one of the things that happen when wannabe entrepreneurs start their company, they want everything to happen instantly. And they want to instantly jump to the grand scale and the big facility. Give us some sort of indication of the time frame from KitchenAid in your house to your own facility. What was that journey from a time perspective? Yeah, I can definitely relate to entrepreneurs who 
think that once you launch it, it just you're going to do a million dollars in a year because that's exactly what I thought I was going to do. It is really challenging to build up a reputation because I've been in this industry, the pet industry, for over 10 years, and I've seen a lot of companies come and go. And one of the things that was told to me early on was that when you go to these trade shows, you have to keep going because your customers, your distributors, they want to see you. They want to see that you have stood the test of time. And really, the only way to do that is to just keep showing up. So the first couple of years that I was running Puppy Cake, I did it part-time. I really didn't do much in sales. I didn't do any of the trade shows. I had a very limited budget. Now, that was after the recession. I started a business about nine months before the recession hit very hard, which really limited my ability to borrow any money and thus, you know, pay for marketing or go to trade shows. So what I have learned, you know, if, if I knew what I knew now, I could definitely do it faster, but it takes a long time. And also what really surprised me is that we really didn't start becoming profitable until we hit a million dollars in sales. And I never thought that it would take that much to start hitting that trajectory of being profitable. Mm. And then we hit that milestone in 2018. So it took me from 2007 until 2013 before I was able to do it full time Mm -hmm. and actually be able to pay myself something I could live on, barely live on, but I could live on it. I probably could do it faster had I, you know, had slightly different circumstances or maybe a little more experience. Mm-hmm. I started the company when I had, right before I turned 22, so I had very little experience. And also, I'll admit today that I was kind of an arrogant youth and thought I knew everything and I really didn't. So I had to make a lot of mistakes and learn from them versus just listening to people for advice. So it's just very unrealistic to, you know, start a business and then a year later do a million dollars unless you have a high infusion of cash, or maybe a really great mentor. Realistically, it takes a long time to grow. And you got to be in it for the long haul. Yeah, it's interesting. You say unless you had a big infusion of cash, but sometimes that comes with diminished equity. It comes Mm -hmm. with debt. And it comes with supervision, I'll call it from the investors that takes time away from actually running your business. So sometimes doing what you did is a better course. And I almost think, especially when you're as young as you were when you started this business, because if you take on a massive amount of capital, I've seen this happen to people, and you start to experience a level of success before you're ready for it, it could be disastrous. You said something very telling. Was arrogant the word you used? Yeah, I did use the word arrogant. Right? And so when you're just starting out, you don't know what you don't know, right? And sometimes that slower role to learn as you develop is a better course. I agree. I've definitely seen some things in my time in this the pet industry and just I love to talk shop. So I, I love to talk to people about their business. I have seen people who have invested $120,000 of their own money and they were very talented when they worked for a large company and they had a great idea. And I won't say any details because it was told to me in confidence, but they had a great idea. They started an awesome company in order to scale because he wanted to follow the typical route of let's scale fast. We're going to get a ton of users, a ton of customers, and then we're going to sell. And that's where I'm going to get my money back. 
And so he brought in investors. So he ended up having to give away quite a bit of equity to the point where he only owned about 15% equity because that's how much cash he needed to really scale it to a certain point. Wow. Because like I said, Puppy Cake didn't start making money until we did a million dollars in sales. If we look at larger models like Chewy.com, like Chewy.com didn't start making money until they were in the close to, I think, a, at least $200 million before they started making any money in sales, which seems kind of crazy, but that's sometimes what it takes for certain businesses. The the scale that you need to make money is really high. Sure. So he sold most of the equity of his company. He had, you know, maybe one board seat. He hired a high level person who was very influential and also very manipulative. And she orchestrated a coup and he lost his business. The business tanked. He did own 15% of it, but under that person, that woman's leadership, the company tanked. He lost his entire life savings. And just to add insult to injury, they never took his name off of the American Express bill, and he owed $30,000 to American Express even after everything closed. Wow. So there are times when, you know, if you take someone else's money, there are always strings attached. Mm -hmm. So if you can. From my personal experience, if you can bootstrap it yourself, I think that can be the best way to go. Yeah. Of course, venture capitalists would say otherwise, but I'm in full agreement with you on that. It also strikes me, it's funny, people look at manufacturers or other any entrepreneur when they're 15, 20 years into it and the success they have. And sometimes it's You get to a certain tipping point in a business and the business has a certain amount of notoriety and people will say, oh, overnight success. And that always cracks me up because no, it wasn't an overnight success. It was years of blood, sweat and tears and bootstrapping, right? Yeah. I have had talks on what happens in the and then, like they say, you know, Kelly started her business in her apartment and then she did multi-million dollars in sales. Well, there's a lot that happened in the and then. And a lot of people don't think about that, but the and then is the part that really defines you as an entrepreneur and where most people, like 90% of businesses, don't make it past five years. And there's a reason for that because it's really challenging to grow a profitable business. Yeah, that's right. So staying on the what you learn in the process part of the conversation. I'm sure our listeners, I said in the intro that you had been on the, I guess it was the third season of Shark Tank. You and I have talked before about what a good experience that was for you from a learning perspective. Can you speak to the audience a little bit about that experience? I am so thankful that I had an opportunity to go on Shark Tank and then they actually aired my episode. It was a great experience because I stood in front of five very successful and very talented business people, and I had 20 minutes for them to give me advice. Some of them were nicer about it than others. Mm -hmm. Kevin O'Leary had said, who cares if your dog dies? You can just go out and buy another one. So he was a little aggressive about it, but I got some great advice from Lori where she said, I think you have a good product, but you really don't have a business. Mm -hmm. And that is something I really took to heart and spent a lot of time building a business and building a portfolio because that is what distributors want. That is what independent retailers want. If they're going to take the 15 minutes to place an order with you, they would like to cover multiple bases and they want to have several options. 
Right. The publicity on Shark Tank was also incredible. I mean, here we are eight years later, and we're still talking about it. And it's such a great icebreaker. And it's always fun when someone learns about my business and says, you should go on Shark Tank. And I can say, I already did. Yeah. What was it that Mark Cuban said to you? Uh, Yeah, Mark Cuban called me a (laughs) wantrepreneur. And the reason he said that is I had been doing it for several years, and I really didn't have much to show for it. And my part-time efforts were really resulting, you know, part-time results. So that was kind of the fire that I needed to really turn things around and figure out how I could grow a profitable business so that I could do it full time and really realize my dream. And you did it. Yeah, I did it. It took a while, but uh, I did do it. I was just telling my husband the other day that I don't think I ever want to start a business again. I think I want to continue to launch products and maybe have multiple businesses under Puppy Cake, but just starting a business is so much. Getting your EIN, getting your documents set up, building a reputation, getting credibility, having someone lend you money. Like it's just so hard when you're starting. Once you hit a certain point, a lot of things get easier. Banks love to see that you've got 10 years of taxes that are filed and you're still here and you have cash flow. So it's just everything gets easier once you get to a certain point. Sure. Absolutely, it's harder to start from scratch than to acquire. What I do for a living in selling established manufacturing companies, I always make the argument to people considering acquiring their way into entrepreneurship that it is an easier path because all of the hard work has been done. The customers have been established. It comes with a cash flow that can support a full-time salary and then some support acquisition debt. I am absolutely of the opinion that what you did is much more entrepreneurial and much, much harder. I think one of the things that strikes me as you and I talk is that you perpetually improved and changed your course to solve whatever the current problem was. And I think that businesses, particularly manufacturers, run into trouble when they're not willing to adjust course the way you did. I completely agree. And I think that is really being highlighted during this time when there's so many stay-at-home orders and businesses are forced to being closed or they're forced to make changes. I have always tried to diversify the channels that puppy cake products are sold in because if you rely on one channel and that channel collapses, so does your business. So we have multiple online partners where they have well-established e-commerce sites. We sell our products on Amazon and we also sell to independent pet stores. And so right now, the independent pet store channel is really struggling. It's about 50% down. But the online partners and the Amazon channel are doing incredible. And so thankfully, Puppy Cake is actually 10% up over last year from April of 2019 compared to April of 2020. And a lot of that has to do with adapting, paying attention to the times, Asking yourself, you know, how can we diversify how our products are sold so that we are limiting our risk should something change? Now, I never expected, and I think a lot of other people are thinking the same thing, we never expected this. We kind of expected maybe retail to change over time slowly, but 
retail just suddenly got their, you know, the wind knocked out of them right away. So we'll, we'll see what happens in the future. I think retail will come back. It just might look a little different. Yeah, this COVID-19 crisis has really shed light on many businesses, some that were living so close to the edge and didn't realize it. It's unfortunate, but without government intervention and rescue, many of them will not survive this. You know, I think because I started my business essentially in the recession, you know, I started it and then the recession hit a few months later. Mm-hmm. That has not, that the fear, the feelings of that have not left me. And that's why we have been conservative with cash. We've had cash available should something happen with the business, why we diversified things, like why we have multiple offerings, but we only keep offerings that are actually profitable. So what will happen now is you're going to see a lot of companies adapt or die. Yeah, I agree. I absolutely agree. What advice might you be able to give to someone considering starting a manufacturing company, not necessarily in food. I know you had previously, we had talked about your desire to discuss bootstrapping and starting, like where to acquire equipment that you need. I'm assuming that as you moved into larger facilities, you didn't buy brand new equipment. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. Yeah. So some of the equipment that we could purchase was fairly simple, like a large Hobart mixer. And I have purchased everything used with the exception of two desktop computers and our form and sew machine that we purchased last year. Otherwise, everything else has been used. My employees have teased me that I love to go to garage sales and half of the things that are sitting on their desk and the desk itself was used at a garage sale. (laughs) So I've always gone for looking for used things Thankfully, my husband is very technically inclined. He's been able to rescue us with a couple of things because he was able to fix machines or modify them to make them work for us. Mm -hmm. I think when you start, I always say start small, even if it takes longer to do things. Like when I started, I took a plastic scooper and I cut it so that it would have the perfect amount of cake mix with each scoop. Mm -hmm. I'd scoop it, scrape it off of a lid and put it in a bag and use an impulse heat sealer. It took me forever compared to how long it takes me now, but that's what I needed to do to get proof of concept that this was a product that people wanted. So if you're thinking about manufacturing your own product and you are able to do it yourself, try to do it as inexpensively as possible. And in the beginning, you have all the time in the world, but you don't have much money. So if you have to do some things by hand and your profit margin isn't as great and it takes you a really long time, but your exposure is less because you haven't taken out a loan for $150,000 worth of equipment, go that route. Get your proof of concept, prove that you have a market for it and that people want your product, and then start investing in equipment. There's a lot of companies that I've worked with for purchasing used equipment, and it was applicable for us because we were just dealing with powders. It might not be applicable for everyone. I used Aaron Equipment Company in Chicago. They were great to work with. They stand behind their products and they'll take care of you. I've found things on eBay. I found things on Craigslist and just start small, start cheap. I have seen some companies make the mistake of purchasing the really expensive machine versus just making less money per unit and doing it slower. 
there was a dog tea company called Tea for Spot, and they had such cute marketing materials. And they really went for it hard right out the gate, and they bought a $30,000 brand-new tea bagging machine. And they were only selling a couple hundred units a month. And it completely did not justify spending that much money on a machine. So we went from KitchenAid to a Hobart mixer, from hand scooping to I got a $8,000 machine up in Vermont that did, it was a vibratory filler. And then from that, we got a used form and fill machine. And then after almost 10 years of being in business, I purchased the custom-made brand new machine. And it was definitely the right move for us at the time, but it took 10 years to get to that point. Right. I think we live in a society that wants instant gratification, and that spills over into attitudes when entrepreneurs are just starting out. And I'm in full agreement with you that bootstrapping and taking a slower approach to this is incredibly wise. So tell us what's next for Puppy Cake. What's on the horizon? So for Puppy Cake, we just launched 15 new SKUs. And unfortunately, we launched them right before all the COVID-19 stuff happened and a lot of businesses were shut down. So we're really going to be pushing the Hagen Dogs, which is a no sugar added ice cream mix for dogs. We have new sizes of our puppy scoops and also a sample pack where you can purchase one of each flavor in this adorable little sleeve that makes a great gift. And those are what's going to be coming out are available now and we're really going to be advertising quite a bit this summer because it's a great time for ice cream for dogs and all those products are available on amazon.com and then once our retailers start opening up again you'll be able to find our new products our puppy scoops and our hog and dogs in a small independent retailer near you awesome well i tell you what i have two 90 pound black labs who love ice cream so the first thing i'm doing when our call is over is to order some of your products oh yeah they're gonna love it yeah so listen tell our audience before we close out i want you to give an opportunity to give your contact information and once again to share the best and preferred way to buy your products so the best way to reach out to us is through the website. There's actually a couple of stories about my business history and my journey in getting to this point with Puppy Cake. So that's on our blog on puppycake.com. You can also purchase our products at independent pet stores. As stores open up, we would love it if you would help support them in this challenging time where they essentially had to be closed for almost two months or had very limited sales. Yeah. We also sell of our products on amazon.com. And if you just Google puppy cake or puppy scoops, you'll find our products. Awesome. Well, Kelly, thank you so very much for taking the time out to share your story with our listeners. I'm sure that this is going to be one of the most listened to podcasts that we've done so far. You're an absolute delight and best of luck with puppy cake. Thank you so much, Fran. It was my pleasure. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining the WAM podcast, where women empower other women in business and manufacturing. For more shows like this, go to whampodcast.com. That's whampodcast.com. Thanks for tuning in. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.